It's Monday, the 6th of February, 2012. It's audio podcast time! Woo! The audio podcast, it's show number 45. And um, Super Snow the... IPO Return. What an awesome title. <laughs> A combination of all the, thing, all the things that happened last week, most of which aren't really audio podcast related, but I thought it was but fun. Is, I felt the title kind of turned got into the um there's some snow related things in there at least i don't know shall we um kick off with the news people can find the notes at wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk awesome and first up is recycle 2.2 propeller heads have released a new version of their long-standing recycle software very long-standing this tragically perhaps is one of the very first things i got into this this was a great product this was a lot of fun why do you say tragically? Well, because I don't write dance music of any sort, uh, and I've never <laughs> But this was kind of easy, and I got into it quickly. There's only tragically, as in it had no bearing on anything else I ever did, other than introduce me to the idea of sequencing. That's cool. I... But the Rex format is kind of, it's, it's one of those standards that's kind of, everyone seems to support it. And like you say, it's kind of, it's, of, of itself, it's perhaps something that, is not considered very much, but it was it's ahead of its time with all this hit detection and stuff, which you now get in digital audio workstations. It was used, this used to be the only way of doing it that I was aware of. Um, yeah. no, I'll be honest, I've I've never used Recycle, so I'm, uh, I have to rely on you guys for this. Well, well I I never got into it heavily enough to be able to say much about the Rex stuff, but I remember it being God, that was a while ago, but it was pretty cool. I just remember being blown away by it at the time. I haven't been following it since, though, so perhaps I don't know much about what they're currently up to to say anything about it. Well, okay. so in a nutshell, yeah. Recycle then is, it takes an audio file and it finds the hit, the beats, like it finds um, hits detection, I suppose, is the common term for it. It finds attacks and it slices up the audio into those bits and then software such as Cubase or um, Reason or Logic, lots of other things can then take the Rex file, which has the original audio in there, but also the slices, and it enables you to change the tempo without getting so many artifacts because you've got all these individual slices of it. That's pretty much what it does. And in the new version, they've added a lot of they've added um, processing and things in there, like the ZQ and stuff built into there, which never used to be, as far as I know. Yeah. Oh, cool. So if I've got a whole load of grooves and stuff and I, I want to break them up into bits to then kind of import them into something else, this is this is a great tool for that kind of job then. Yep, it's just got a, a sensitivity slider that you kind of move move across and it further to the right you take it, the more of the lesser attacks it picks up as a separate, hits. Yeah. Yep, and then you can you know, you can obviously manually edit them as well. Oh, that's that's pretty cool. I like that. I like that maybe I'll have to have a quick look at them. There. There's a demo version available, isn't there? So I should maybe yes, maybe, maybe get yep. a download to that and have a quick play. That might be. And the first, this was um yeah, interesting that you said it was one of the first things that you'd use, Scott, because it was for me too. Which came with a, a a a version of Recycle came with a Sound Blaster Live sound card, which had sound font. Wow. support. And you could use the Recycle to turn a loop into a sound font, so you'd have. It would map to MIDI on the keyboard where each slice would be on a different key. That's pretty cool. It was and ahead of its time, as you say. 
Yeah. So yeah, that was you know the sound card itself had some RAM on there, and you would load the sound font into the into the sound card's own RAM, and then play it with your MIDI keyboard. So what's new in um? So the story is that version two point two is out. If I'm correct. Yep. What's new in version two point two, or have I just put you on the stop on the spot there? Um, I am on the spot there a little bit. I think it's the adding of um. EQ and transient control and stuff like that. I think it's got more kind of you can do you can edit the sound more in there, whereas before it would just be about splitting it up. But now you can do little tweaks on the file as it goes through the process. Do you think this is a result of DAWs catching up? Well, not so much catching up, but you know, was there up until this release was there anything that Recycle could do that you couldn't just do in a DAW? Um. Which again, maybe putting you on the spot. No, I think I think there was a time when doing this kind of thing was really the Rex. The reason the Rex format, from what I can tell, is supported by so many different DAWs, is that it used to be the only thing that was doing it so well. Right. And now every DAW's got its own version of this type of thing going on within itself. Cool. So live is quite happy to do stuff with analyzing tracks and getting beat information out of it and so is Cubase and I should imagine other programs are too. Yeah. Yeah, they have an extensive list list of programs on the recycle types that are that support uh Rex. That's pretty cool. Yep. Yeah, that's that's awesome stuff. Cool. Shall we move on? Is it time to talk about uh something super? <laughs> Yeah, um, the the upcoming Super Collider Symposium in London this April. We've mentioned it a, we've well, we mentioned it a few times. I, they're doing a good press game here, aren't they? Of just like releasing a bit of information every week, and it kind of appears on Monday, right? So it hits right onto our right onto our show notes while, um, while we're collating them. But um, they have a, a remix competition running alongside it. Um, there is a prize of a Novation Launchpad, so that's pretty cool. With a, with a side note to say that there is one of a, a um a workshop within the symposium is how to use a launchpad with Super Collider, which I think is a nice little tie-in they've done there. That's pretty handy. <laughs> and it while it's a remix competition and you can remix the audio, what I thought was particularly cool is the fact that he, they've actually released the uh, Super Collider source code that created it, and that's also available to be forked or hacked to. So you can remix the audio or remix the actual Super Collider code that's running it. So I thought that was a pretty cool, a pretty cool little project, a, well, yeah. a pretty cool idea, and a, a very appropriate addition to a remix yeah. competition. So definitely, I was when I I went through kind of like towards towards the steps as if I was going to enter this competition as I often do when we have remix competitions. Although I don't ever get as far as remixing anything. Um, <laughs> I almost did with that lamb one, actually. That's still hanging around. But with this, it takes you to a... If you go for the source code, it takes you to GitHub. And then you, if you click on download as a zip, you get to a page which says, sorry, there aren't any downloads for this repository below the download as zip button. Which, And I did successfully download the zip. It's just That's a side note of... Um, I'll just add that to the reasons why I don't like Git. It just baffles me. No, that that's why you don't like GitHub. Well, you see, I mean, I, I understand that there's Git and then GitHub is a thing that works with Git, but it's 
it's all in the same box in my brain. <laughs> this, this, this isn't a programming tech show, so I, no. I don't think we should head any further into the discussion of version control. But uh, okay, um, let's keep on well, moving. What I will say is that I think it's, as you say, it's great that it's a remix competition, but they've the idea is really that you would be remixing the SuperCloud source code, but they've given the stems, and I, I when I saw the link to the stems, I thought, you know. Why? Why do I want some some sound files of generative music? It's kind of. It's not. It's it was that was was generated once. The whole point of music that's created through code in this way is that it's it's been made there and then by the computer from the instructions. I disagree. I think once it's out there, then it's it's a thing as much as anything else, and someone else can do something else with the stems. It's just different production techniques. I completely understand what you're saying about it being generative, but that shouldn't be the be-all and end-all of it. In the same way that a live improvisation could be recorded and then used as the basis of something else. The thing that interested me about the code release is the fact that this idea of, like, the idea of the quality of the materials that you're distributing, and obviously the the code, the code yet to be rendered representation is actually is more accurate than the recording actually is in in terms of development and an attachment with quality in in you know for future quality sort of thing I, which i thought was interesting it's you know it's, uh, not to mention the file size involved there like you're getting the you're getting the actual thing for less data that, that's very true isn't it actually you get the actual thing for with you know the actual complete pure highest quality version of it and it's a smaller file size than the other thing. It's pretty cool. I like it. I like it a lot. Um, I think the SuperCloud's Symposium is going to be awesome. I can't make it. Uh, I don't think anybody from the normal team can make it. We're going to try and organize for somebody to be there, maybe. But I think it's going to be a cool symposium. It sounds like the guys are well on top of what they're organizing. And it's, it looks pretty awesome. We should try and get somebody on. Let's, we'll try and organize that. There we go. That's pretty cool. <laughs> Just, okay. Just as we segue away, then, so um, we're we're just uh, for our American listeners. I hope you enjoyed the Super Bowl. Um, well, good work with the Giants. Uh, the halftime show was pretty spectacular, and that was like audio related. But did either of you guys watch the halftime show? No. What happens now? There we go. <laughs> there was a Super Bowl, Scott. Ah, sports. I see. Yes. Anyway, so the halftime show is pretty awesome. Um, you can watch it on iPlayer if you're in the UK, which is pretty sweet. Anyway. So that was the end of our super elements. It's time to head towards the, the, the snow bits, and we start with some ice. <laughs> well, um, yeah, well, did you guys have snow where you are? The past few yeah. days, we've had quite a lot of snow up here in the hills where I am. Very, very little. Extremely little. Disappointingly little. I was all ready for the snow apocalypse here, and it just never, it just never happened. Well, it wasn't quite apocalyptic up here, but it certainly got quite deep, and there was snowmen involved, and balls being thrown. And one of my favourite things about snow is when you walk on it, the sound it makes. And that might be something you want. If you don't have snow near you, you might need a, a little sound library for this. You might indeed. Where would one get such a sound library? Could that exist? <laughs> it just so happens that the recorders.com have um the ultimate ice 2 hd pro sfx and slightly wow. more relevant to scott's question sonic salute have recently re released the footsteps snow as well 
which is a library of long walks in cold and snowy conditions. <laughs> All of your snow and ice sound needs. There we go. That's... It's, it's pretty cool, Does, I think. It is. I can't... I, what more can you say? I thought we did very well in extending that out either side, though. You know, that was nicely done. <laughs> I, I, I didn't look an awful lot at the ice one. I thought the snow one... I looked at the snow one. Oh. All kinds of thickness of ice was recorded at its many different temperatures. It was kicked, cracked, hit with a sledgehammer, crushed into itself, and smacked with heavy chunks of ice. As go. usual, I mainly like the uh, I like the sounds, but I also like that they have a, a a gallery of pictures taken during the making of said sounds. Yeah, that that gives you a pretty good idea of, of what's been going on there. There's some impressive holes in ice. As always, <laughs> I enjoy the sound file list: uh, ice, footsteps, boots, mail ice. boots. Yeah, mail boots. Yeah, ice, impact, debris. I think that's nice. <laughs> I always enjoy that. There we go. I almost feel like like the photographs they put up are kind of a proof. It's like, look, we had ice. We're not making this stuff up. It was ice. We recorded it. For the um for the footstep snow library, they've got the different um types of snow. They have like crusty, thin, hard packed, deep leather boots and sneakers comparisons. There, it's, yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, on on the footstep snow, there's a fifteen percent discount if you order before February ten as well. So there, there is. Just for you know, I thought that was a slightly you know that's pretty cool. They should put a discount up if it's snowing at the time where you are. <laughs> you know that they could link that into a kind of some sort of uh, BBC weather or something like that, and check the IP against it and see what comes up. That would be pretty cool. If it's snowing and you feel like you want the sounds of snow, twenty percent off. <laughs> that would be a great viral advert, actually, wouldn't it? You know, if you're kind of sitting out, you know, there's a picture of you lying outside in the snow with kind of like I don't know the something, you know, yeah, maybe. It starts snowing, and I just suddenly realize I must rush home and buy these samples quick. While, while money. Quick! Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, they can spread that to everything. Their bus sounds, their sounds of people walking in the streets. So if you purchase a bus sound library whilst on a bus, then you... Yeah, um if you're on a bus. Would you... <laughs> I suppose if you could then play the samples back while doing the actual thing, you could have that kind of like hyper-realistic experience. Mm -hmm. That's like a, well, yeah. It's all getting a bit philosophical now. We're going to be on a bus listening to the sounds of a sample bus. Yeah, I like that, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm immediately wanting to talk about distant trains, so I'm just going to stop. Um. Actually, can I, I might, I've this, <laughs> on, I have been known to on, sit on the bus with my um, little sound recorder. I used to use the, um, my, in in ear earphones to kind of like reduce the volume because they they're the on on stage monitor type ones that kind of take twenty dB off the surrounding sound. So you plug them in and it's earplugs, you know, because the buses can be pretty rattly and loud. Um, but then I would have it plugged into my into the little sound recorder on pause so that I could actually hear what was going on, but just quieter than than real. There you go, little confession. <laughs> confessions of a nerd. And I appreciate these confessions. <laughs> we, could do, we could do a sub-blog, nerd music nerd confessions. I'm not sure what I have to add to that, so I'm not going to. <laughs> well, Let's move that on. It's up to a completely separate thing. Okay. Okay, so we're into, let's, let's talk about some software. 
we mentioned last week the Pro Tools 10.0.1 update and its incredibly long README. <laughs> well, somebody's taken up one of the um, known problems and put a little blog about what to do about it. This is an incredible problem. That, 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 that's how I have to say this. So the, the basic summary of the problem is, if you set Pro Tools off to do a long record and OS X, so this is on, this is on, you know, on a Mac only kind of situation, and oh, the operating system OS X decides it wants to do some spotlight indexing, it can knacker your recording. This is why Spotlight is turned off on my computer. I have it turned off as well, yeah. Um, like, is this a is this an Apple problem? Is this an Avid problem? Is this a, you know? The question it? is, can can Pro Tools be do Avid have access to that underlying um, architecture to be able to tell Spotlight to not index during recording? I would imagine the answer to that is probably no. Mm. Probably no, but then it strikes me that Apple surely surely Apple are kind of are, are Apple just not thinking about the creative user anymore, so they've built this kind of thing which is gonna do this, or are are Avid you know what I mean have have Avid written it so that the you know, it's building temporary files and the temporary files aren't are being indexed and that's what the problem is. I, I don't know. That's a it it kind of concerns me that it's um it kind of concerns me that this kind of problem can result in a complete failure on the recording mm. um i i mentioned that purely just because of the fact that um you may a long time listeners of the show will remember when we had the ardor team on and we were talking to the ardor team and mm. we joked a week later that our ardor had died um mainly because it was on a very underpowered uh, g4 g4 computer which wasn't really up to the task but Amazingly, while Ardor had completely died, it did actually successfully record the whole show. So that is to say that the front end completely died. The yep. graphic user interface of the entire system pretty much became unresponsive. Or was it just the Ardor? Did, was OS X okay on that occasion? I don't know. But I don't remember. But in, in any case, it did continue to record, as you say. And from the temporary files, we were easily able to get the the audio out. So... You know, I mean, it concerns me that this is, that it does appear that this is, this dies in such a way as a temporary, potentially risk your recording. At the same point, I would suggest that, you know, OS X is a general purpose operating system designed for people doing all sorts of things. And it makes sense that you, you have to optimize for your usage case, you know, if you're working. And if you're working in audio, then having index, you know, spotlight indexing off is a starter. I'm saying I have all my computers set so they don't ever go to sleep in any way whatsoever. Their screens don't go off. They're, they don't spin down the hard drives. They don't, the computer itself doesn't go to sleep after a certain amount of time. You know, I have all that kind of stuff set up. And then when I'm actually recording, when I'm actually doing something, I have even more things turned off. So I might have use, you know, user interfaces disabled as well, or, you know, I mean, like, you know, turn Dropbox off and things like that. It's mm -hmm. so, I think there is, you know, it, I, I think there's a user issue, you know, there's a user issue here as well, which needs to be considered. But, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, isn't it, how these kind of things come together like this? Yeah, yeah. Or at least in my opinion, there is. I don't know. <laughs>
Anyway, there's a fix available. You can find it via the wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk in our show notes. And th there's a suggested fix to this issue. And it's just a matter of turning off the spotlight, in spotlight indexing. And in actual fact, at the very bottom, there's a link to a couple more posts which talk about ways of um, OSX optimizations for audio work, which is probably worth checking out as well if you want to. Um, perhaps that should okay, be a focus so of a show at some point. I don't know. Yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. More software. This is now um, Renoise. Um, and, oh, well, most specifically, it's, it's something called Cells for Renoise. Yeah. Oh, what does it do? What is this Cells you see? <laughs> I actually don't know. I have it here. I've had the tab open for a good hour. I haven't read it. <laughs> so Cells is, um, well, first of all, it's built in Renoise, but it's actually designed to be the live interface from, ah. from, from live. Um, and it's been completely written using the um, Renoise scripting engine that is now built inside Renoise. Um, oh. So basically, it's pretty it, powerful. Yeah. So basically, all that's happened is um, Renoise, uh, this Cells version 2 is a complete rewrite, re rewrite and basically allows you to work with Renoise as if it's live. As if it was, you know, in a live-like interface. Which, you know, I, yeah, I think that's probably. an impressive piece of user functionality that you would, you know, they've written Renoise in such a way that a, in user space, you can rewrite this entire, you know, the entire interface to be something else. Yeah, that is pretty impressive. That's quite I guess awesome. the question then becomes, who's this aimed at? Well, I guess it's not really aimed at anyone. It's being done because it can be done. It, it is, is it still Renoisy? The things that make Renoise good, will, are they still accessible in cells? I guess they probably must be. Yeah, well, it, it, it's just an interface over the top of Renoise. So mm. I would imagine that everything that's going, you, you know what I mean? You should be able to get into Renoise to do other things in there as well. Um, it's also important, I, I haven't actually downloaded the code to take a look, but, you know, I'm saying potentially this is a really incredible demonstration of the scripting engine that is built into Renoise. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you could imagine if, if there's something, that's, something that bugs you about this or bugged you about another version, you could just quickly make a modification. You know, you could write your own version or your own interface that does something else or your own interface which has particular buttons available and others unavailable and things like that. It's quite a, I mean... Well, it's funny because I had a conversation last week or a couple of weeks ago with a friend um, with uh, with Adam about um, Reaper, and he was he, he had good things to say about Reaper, but he was complaining about how he had to mess around with the the prefs a hell of a lot to get it back to a place where he wanted his DAW to be. So yeah. it seems like something like this really opens up those possibilities even further, having access to that kind of personalizing power. I guess part of what I was asking about it's it's. Uh, it's oh, where's my brain gone? Gone. It's, it's renoisiness. The <laughs> I know. I, I, why I had to stretch all the way for that ridiculous pun, I have no idea. Anyways, uh, renoise is a tracker, isn't it? Yep. 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 So it seems like some. I mean, I'm sure renoise users will disagree with with me here, but a large part of renoise's attraction is its totally different paradigm for viewing how the music is organized, etc. So it seems like then putting another paradigm on top of it. Seems kind of perverse, but I guess it worked out for the for the for people who use cells. I guess when when I look at this kind of project, the thing that hits me is that this is um, you know, it, it, it's a nice way of limiting cost. I'm saying if you're if you know Renoise inside out, you have a lot of investment in Renoise, and you like Renoise, then yeah. 
being able to work with Renoi, all the things you like about Renoise, but with a live like interface is is really nice. It means you don't have to get live and work out how to use live and how to integrate live within your kind of sure. creative work. Um and and I guess that's the you know I would have my suspicions that's probably the main the main kind of you know part of the main element that's that's going on in there really is the fact that yeah I think you're probably right to people I don't think that people really want to buy lots of tools learn lots of tools when if they could have a tool which does everything they want it to do they could just have that one instead but I I've, I agree with that philosophy. Of course, you do end up spending all your time making your one tool do the things what you want it to do. Hello there. <laughs> but yeah, well that, that yeah that that's certainly very true, isn't it? That you end up with that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Cool. That's pretty. It's pretty cool. So that takes us on to possibly the oldest electronics interface that there is. Ah uh, yes. Switch. So this is the Digitech iStomp. So they're merging the software world and the inescapable iApp thing that's going on in the world with the physical box that you can stamp on. It's... You sound so disappointed with, with, with iTechnology. <laughs> um... I don't know. I don't know why I've, why I've come off on that. I've, I, I, added, I added this story to the list. I felt very positively when I put it there. I don't know why I'm... <laughs> <laughs> so maybe I'll take a back seat and see what you guys do with it. So tell, tell me more about this then. So um, I see that I get a pedal, which is an interface. Is that an interface into like a, an iPad or something? Or Okay, so the pedal has um, stereo in, stereo out a switch that you can step on to switch the thing on and off and four knobs. What those knobs control is a DSP algorithm that's going on inside the box and what that DSP is will be bought via the your iPad or iPhone or iThing that you have. So you, you say bought as in purchased. As in purchased. So when you purchase iStomp, the physical thing, you will also get two pedals they call them and then you can buy another one for 99 cents and then after that they're five dollars each ish yeah, and there's a cool. yeah and there's a whole long there's a whole list of them so there's lots of different pedals they call them so lots of different dsp algorithms and by plugging your pedal into your i product you can change what it is that your pedal is doing does that make sense? This is kind of cool. They allow a trial period, which is weird for iApps in general, but that yeah. allows you to try different pedals on their own time uh, with their own rig before they buy it. Through the app, you can listen to a demo of all the pedals, and you can load any effect to the iStomp for five whole minutes to see how it sounds through your amps. That's still better than spending the five, five dollars or five pounds or whatever it is on a pedal and finding it's not what you wanted. Yep, I mean, the Digitech Jet Flanger, for example, might sound awesome, but then when you put it through, it's not what you expect, and so, yeah. I mean, what do you expect from a Jet Flanger, exactly? <laughs> Who knows? I don't know, probably something slightly different from the Flanger Affair. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's, that's pretty cool, I like it. I, I, like the, I like the interface side, you know, the, the kind of human interface, the physical thing, that's pretty cool, and then the, the software integration into it is pretty, is, is pretty it nice as well, isn't pretty it? pretty cool. 
I have to admit, on, on first look, uh, part of my brain thinks this is amazing. This is a little bit game changing. And then the other part of my brain thinks, but it's only got one knob. Well, sorry, it's four knobs. It's only got one button. That's it. Yeah, if it, it's got no kind of, it's just on off, which I guess is like, yeah, well. I can see the point of that, but it, I guess when I think of anything digital like this, you know, I know that there is infinite amount of pedals inside that little box. Why can't I access all of them all the time? <laughs> uh, greedy, maybe, but. But then you're you're probably missing the the target audience here, aren't you? Because this is definitely pitched towards guitar players who are, you know, I mean, used to setting their pedal up for whatever the purpose they want that pedal to do, and then they hit the button when they want the pedal to do that to thing. do that thing, don't they? And yeah. you. You know, I mean, I know guitarists who have massive pedal boards and have multiple, you know, multiple copies of the same pedal set up for different things because they need those different sounds at the various yeah, parts of the piece. So, you know, I mean, I guess for those kind of people, it's it's what it's kind of aimed towards. Kind of I have to wonder with the... Um, actually, it would be really cool if it was possible via the, the iPad or iPhone or whatever to change things on the fly so that while... I guess probably not, but but to to read, could you store presets and stuff? So could I be in the middle of a guitar solo and instead of reaching down to my eye stump, I could just change the preset on my iPad and that would allow it to keep going? I don't know. Well, that, this is something that goes against something I thought of earlier, um, which is that we often say when it comes to iApps that and kind of iThing interfaces, we always mm. say, you know, would you really want to trust your iOS device to to play nice when you need it to, whereas this yep. is a way of going, of using your eye product and to <laughs> get, to get the, to purchase your um, processor, but then having it run on something that's completely separate to your iPhone. Very true, very true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I kind of like it. I, I like the interface side of it. I, I think I agree with you, Sam, that I like the idea of being able to put the material, you know, the the processing, the effect onto it that I want to be there and then know that that's going to do that job for me kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm not sure about changing mid the idea of like doing things mid song, but I could certainly, certainly kind of see the idea of doing things mid, you know, at, you know, between the two sets or something in the break, the idea that I can get my pedal and just reprogram the pedals to be, you know, whatever kind of thing that I want them to be next. Um, I, I could, you know, I could definitely see that kind of. That I could live without it being it. like a, a multi-effects box in the sense that the old boss type ones were. But I really hope that the only one thing that my compromise thing I would like would be the ability to, to say that do double taps or something on the pedal. So I, I can turn it on and then a double tap will advance it to the next preset or something like that. You know, just even that level of control would be enough. Or holding it down or advance it to a preset, I don't know, something like that. Yeah, I see what you're saying. And I wonder if there is something like that that we haven't noticed, because they do make a point of saying you can assign the colour of the LEDs to you know which pedal you're running at the time. Wow. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I, I would Maybe... guess there is, because if you look at the Digitech vintage type delay, it says that it's a, a, it says it has a tap tempo, so there must be some way of... Yeah, good point. Put, putting that in, and Maybe you would presume, you know, we, I think this is a classic illustration of why, if we really want to talk about a product in depth, we should probably at least read its manual. <laughs> I thought you were going to say, if we're if we're going to talk about it, we should at least have one sent to us. Well, definitely having one would probably be as good as reading its manual. Yes, 
Though perhaps if we read its manual, that would actually be even more useful because, you know, people don't read uh, manuals, do say, they? You know, uh, being that I am a guitarist, pressing buttons is much favorable to reading manuals. Reading or manuals is for the guitar tech. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we move on? Indeed. Yes. Cool. Oh, we're still in guitar territory, aren't we? Oh, this is. Oh yeah. No. This, well, I was tempted to make a link, but I thought I'd leave it. <laughs> um, I haven't. Well, yeah, we've got to the end of the um, my my research point, and the the following items I have um, loaded the tabs but not looked at. So this one appears to be on Sibelius' blog. Uh, yep, uh, Pat, Pat Maffini. I got that right. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's going to go right. So um, I I put this in because I just thought it'd be provocative, to be perfectly honest. Um. Apparently, in the uh, February 2012 issue of the International Musician, the magazine of the American, American Federation of Musicians, and you have to be like a paid member in some capacity to be able to actually see that. Um, hence the reason we went to the uh, Sibelius blog instead. Apparently, uh, Pat Mavini says, and I'm going to find the exact quote here. He says, um, we, we have lived and are living in one of the greatest possible times to be a musician, just for Sibelius alone. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> As someone who teaches Sibelius, I guess I kind of have to agree with him. And uh, sorry, let me clarify. Let's use let's not even use Sibelius as an overall term for this. We're talking about finale or muse score. No, no, no. He's talking about Sibelius there. Now you're just being controversial. Well, he is. Well, of course he is. He's on Sibelius' blog. Okay. He's not going to say because it's first finale. Oh no, no, no. I think I think it's the other way around. He's he's in some. Subscription only magazine, but Spalius blog have picked it up because they happen to say it. Oh, fair enough. Scott. <laughs> well, I still agree with him in principle that regardless of whether it's Sibelius, Finale, MuseScore, or anything else, I agree with the principle that having these programs is a wonderful thing to have. Now, in, in what terms are you, what functionality are you referring to here? Are you referring to the ability to notate music on a computer screen? Yes. Okay. I would agree that the ability to notate music on a computer screen is equally as awesome as the ability to type words onto a computer screen. Sure. Fair enough. I, I can agree with that. That is incredible. Yes. Excellent. Awesome. I wonder if he meant anything more than that, though. I hope not. As a, um, I, I'm trying not to be too provocative here. Um, also, <laughs> as somebody who does get to teach Sibelius every now and again, uh, I, I, I find it so frustrating. It's incredible. It's a, in what sense? Just in the in, in the sense of doing just it it's just so weird at times. Like you have to do things in certain orders to get certain things to appear on the screen. There's no kind of like there's no definitive purpose of button pressing. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> the the order like you can try I'm I'm not gonna go into too much detail here, but essentially you can like if you were to if you were to choose the five right actions to do on a note, you can do them in different orders and get different outcomes at the end, which doesn't really for me make sense because if I wanted to flip the stem, add a dot to it and tie it to the next thing, I would you know, the end outcome of that action should be, you know, consistent. And that one is, but there are other things where, you know, you know, particularly with kind of triplet spacing and slurs across triplets and things like oh, that and ties. It just the doesn't do it right. The old triplet, do I have a, a do do I have a bracket or do I not have a bracket thing? Look, now I do. Look, now I don't. Yeah, yeah but you know, it's a computer program. They all have bugs. And uh, yeah. the ones that are that are interface and graphics based, bugs are inevitable. Yeah. 
And yeah. the, the necessity to press buttons in the right order reminds me of these, um, when you've got a non-scientific calculator, just like the ones that could just do simple things. If, if you put your <laughs> multiplications and adds in different orders, you get different results. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. But I, I, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to rant on about Sibelius. Sibelius is fine. It does lots of useful things. Other programs do things just as well, sometimes better, sometimes not as well. It's all right. But... This whole time, I mean, on the Sibelius blog, there's, there is a photograph here of this. I mean, I presume this is the person who the quote is from, pictured here holding his guitar thing. Yes, that is Pat Metheny looking slightly grumpy. He does, well... <sighs> Yeah, I, I just I just encourage people to look at it. I have nothing more to say. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a great quote. The minute I read that quote, I was like, we just have to talk about, we have to mention this one because it was just great. Um, yeah. <laughs> That's all I had to say. We just had to mention it. Cool. Shall we move on or does anybody feel they want to weigh in again just for a laugh? No, I'm I'm good. I th I think I I have nothing more useful <laughs> or entertaining to say about it. Uh, perhaps we should talk about some uh, some Kickstarter. Yeah, we've not had a Kickstarter for a while. What's this one called? Beaten Senseless. So it's a um it's a Kickstarter project looking for money to fund the creation of a documentary about Austin's underground electronic culture. Interesting. I have to admit to not knowing particular amount about Austin's particular, or knowing anything about Austin's particular beat culture, but hey, fair enough. Maybe that's why they feel they need to make a documentary so we can all find out. They're wanting $5,000. They've got 29 days to go and are currently at $165. Okay. So what are, the, what are the novelty things you can get for um, pledging lots and lots? Ooh. That was immediately what I was looking for as well. <laughs> okay, $1,000 or more? Associate producer film credit. Four tickets to Austin. Texas film screening. A DVD, a t-shirt. Wait, wait, wait. Sorry, rewind, download. rewind. Four Is tickets you... to an Austin, Texan, Texas film screening. Not four tickets to Austin. Oh, yeah, no, it's four tickets to an Austin, says, Texas film screening. That not included. That, that's very true. It's important. <laughs> there were a lot of people about to donate $1,000 there, weren't there? Just yeah. for a holiday, I saw that. Yeah, yeah the, 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 there was a comma there that was... That was over accentuated. <laughs> Five hundred dollars or more. Four tickets to an Austin, Texas film screening. Travel expenses not included. DVD of the film, a T-shirt, free digital download, and an original signed poster. Woo! Cool. It is cool the way you can have these these things. Maybe we should do a tap Kickstarter of some sort just for fun. What would we offer? Well, would that be the fun thing to work out, wouldn't it? What do we need funding for? <laughs> well, what do we need funding for as well is another issue, but yeah. Well, yeah. We could do something cool. If we had money, I'm sure we could do something cool, yeah. Yeah, like <laughs> we we could do something completely crazy here. Like I'll throw out one right now. We haven't discussed this as a group whatsoever, but if you're willing to send us twenty K, we'll come and do a show live in your living room. <laughs> right now. Twenty K, we'll come to a show live in the living room as long as we don't end up out of pocket by coming to visit you live in the living room. And we'll do that, yeah, that'd be fine. Should we grant some production credit to them as well in exchange for their 20k? 20k, they can have my old laptop. Okay, so for 20k, you get the audio <laughs> podcast recorded live in your li living room, or if you're a student or something, maybe your kind of bedroom thing. Uh, and also Scott McLaughlin's laptop. <laughs> Scott, would I be right in thinking you'd be willing to sign that? 
Find my laptop? Sure. Yeah. Excellent stuff. Okay. <laughs> um, I think Sam and I would also be willing to sign Scott McLaughlin's uh, giving away laptop. Um, I think we could stretch that. Only after we've done the show, though. After we've before. done the show, that's excellent stuff. for, And that's 20k. I think that's a good... I like that project already. So if you're out there, that's a great opportunity. Do what are we going to have like grade? Like, is it going to be you know five dollars or more you get to listen and and then just skip straight to twenty k? Is that yeah? Let's just do like that. Just without anything in between. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. On on on. I guess on a semi-serious point, if you do want to uh, send us some money, we we do have sponsor. Well, we can we have advertising slots open. So there you go. Are we a registered charity yet? We we are not a charity by any stretch of the imagination. No, we're not registered. We're not a charity. Where we are, uh, none of these things. We're, we're we're what something is before it is required to be something formally, shall we say? I think that's a nice way of putting it. So if you want to give us a small amount of money, don't bother because it'll be too much like hard work. If you want to give us loads of money, and then we'll get ourselves organised and register as something to be able to receive it. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Yeah, we we do have like you know you are one of. Well, I don't know. The numbers go up and down quite a lot, actually. But you're one of certainly a, a high couple of hundred. You know what I mean? That's okay. About seven to eight hundred people get the show a week now, so you know it's kind of fun. I like that. There you go. Anyway, so that's a great Kickstarter pro project, and you might be more interested in donate donating some money to that project, <laughs> the Austin Underground Electronic Culture documentary, than you are in donating twenty k to us just so we come and record a show in your living room but you never know let's sure, get out of here we, we're digging a big hole now let's move on it's not a big <laughs> hole it's a fun hole let's <laughs> not mention fun holes i have <laughs> i was going to say i have a bus to catch that's that's Quarter but i realized there was no way of linking that into fun or holes no so i had... i think what we'll do is we're going to jump to the plunder okay plunder! straight to the plunder and then we'll finish it off and for those people who are listening live and have seen the show notes, they realize we're missing something. But don't worry about that. It'll, it'll turn up in a later week. Cool. So, plunder. Um, I brought one item, but I've actually put the book, which I have in a physical form, on the floor. So I just need to go pick it up. <laughs> I have returned. The um, book is called Electronic Music and Sound Design. Theory and Practice within Max MSP Volume 1. Um, I um, wow, one of the authors of this gave a paper at the ICMC this year, which I witnessed. And very cool. Yeah, they were talking about the the approach they've taken of integrating the theory and the practice side by side, so that rather than having well, well you, you you get a theory well, chapter, and immediately following it is a practical chapter that implements the theory of the previous chapter. So it's that sounds very wise. It, it it is nicely written. I I often find is the is the case with these kind of books, um, is they seem to take really big leaps at times in terms of what they what they think you will have picked up or not picked up, sort of sort of style at various points. But I do actually think it's a really great text, and if you're interested in learning Max MSP, this is a good option to consider. As, you know, I do like it. They, they reckon that um, self learning you require 300 total hours of individual study, yeah, and that's. that's and the patches and things included and exercises in the practice side of it include um, reverse engineering exercises, analysis, completion, and correction of patches, as well as yeah. patch by numbers, I suppose. Well, that's cool. Um, 
it, it is a pretty cool book. I've I've read it the whole way through twice now. Um, it's a cool book. You can actually get the first couple of chapters for free off their website, which is linked from our um, from our show notes at wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. Can I, like I have it. this? Can you have what the book? The, yes. No. Oh. Oh well. Worth a try. It, it's not a copy that I can give away. It's a copy you can acquire, though, in some other means. It's out of a library. So. <laughs> um, you know what I mean? <laughs> Go Woo! libraries. Libraries are awesome, aren't they? But anyway. I'm a big fan of libraries. Yeah, they are cool. So, um, I, I think we're there. Do you, does anybody else have anything else they feel they want to add? I'm happy to wrap it up. You're, you're happy to wrap it up? I feel we should mention the significance of next week in a in some way without really well we haven't actually organized anything yet to coincide with the significance of next week but next week is our uh, one year anniversary isn't it it is it will be 12 months since we started doing the audio podcast and sam you said you've done some calculations and how many shows have we missed well it's well this is show 45 so next week will be show 46 and if there's 52 weeks in a year that means that across the past 12 months we've had six weeks off by my right. reckoning. That's pretty impressive. I thought we'd had more weeks off than that, actually, so I'm quite that, impressed. That's a pretty that. good holiday season. Yeah. So um, we haven't really organized anything yet, but if you're local to... if Well, if you're local to Huddersfield, UK, then if you want to get in contact with us this week, there might be something. Um, let's, let's, um, let's see if we can commit to being in the same physical location. Because this... this Let's get some microphones in front of our faces and record it without okay, without internet mediation. Okay, I I was going to suggest that we try and extend we extend an invitation to all uh, all guest hosts to return again for the episode. They can come in via the internet. That'll be fine. Or or if they're local in <laughs> or if yeah if they're around that, yeah. Yeah, if local as possible, let's let's do that. Let's go the full hog then. So if um if you're local to Huddersfield and you want to come see the show recorded live, and I guess that would probably mean you can like shout abuse and join in if you want to, um then contact us, and we'll make that happen as well. How about that? Oh, so we could organize this to happen in a pub. Oh, that would be ace, wouldn't it? But I don't know if we can do that in six days. Yeah. We might be able to. If we had it in somewhere like that, we'd probably be there'd probably be some food there as well. You know what I mean? Wow, this is starting to sound great. It is sounding great. Uh, I'm you really glad I have nothing at all to do this week. Oh wait a minute, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. Yeah. We'll do something. Yeah, go on. Okay, we're committed. We're going to be there and we're going to be live in person. That's one that we can easily commit to. If you want to come and be part of the audience, you're more than welcome. Um, and we'll make that happen as well. And where it's going to be, we haven't decided yet. But it will be somewhere. And we will let you know where it'll be, which would be cool. I like it. Cool. So you can find us on Twitter at The Audio Podcast. We are on Google Plus and things like that, and probably Facebook. Um, yeah, we're on Facebook, Google Plus. Uh, it's definitely worth following us on Google Plus because that's where the uh, live Hangout stream is always listed, so you can find us live, which is cool. And the show notes are at wiki.theaudiopodcast.co.uk, as we've said lots of times. That was show number 45. I'm Scott Hewitt. I'm Samuel Freeman. I'm Scott McLaughlin. Bye. Bye. Bye.